0: Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another Tesla Motors Club podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Lewis. And I'm Mark. And we want to thank you, as always, for joining us. Today, we got a lot of topics on deck. We'll see if we can get to them because Lewis has some things to say about a couple of these. So uh, one of the topics we'll talk about is Tesla and the future of energy production. Mike for sure has some things to say about this. I think Mike and Lewis, j- just wait, just wait. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, we're also going to talk about the forty six eighty structural pack. That's that's been a hot topic for many months, and we got some more information about that. Sandy Munro did this thing. We're um, yep. we also going to talk about some Tesla layoffs yet again. This time dealing with autopilot data labeling employees. Lewis will kind of give us some in- in- insight about that. I'll say something. A little bit about the smell of the AC because there's lots of conversation about that. Uh, We have viewer comments and we got a lot more. So just strap in because episode 15 starts now. As I said, welcome again. These two beautiful, handsome beings here, Mike and Lewis. I tell you, man, it's, this is this is one. Of, this is the highlight of my Sunday. Seeing y'all's beautiful faces, man. How you how you doing today? I'm Very not great. sure I can live up to that intro, but I'll give it a try. <laughs> I mean, Mike, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, I mean, come on. You you, you you know, you know, the, what you bring to this podcast. You know, I was saying this before we started. Is that you know, Lewis and Mike, you guys are great. At, you you know what you like you know what you what you want and you love Tesla you like EVs you like you like the world you have your uh, things that you want to say and when you speak it like we talk about this uh, energy production it show it, you bring out your skills and I think people would learn a lot from that I'm definitely going to learn a lot from you about this guys but I know I'm putting the cart before the horse let me <laughs> let me just stifle myself and slow down Louis you doing good with with the car everything's great oh yeah. Fantastic. What's Love your it. what's your what's your your FSD score so far?
1: I've managed to get it up to ninety one, so <laughs> I'm getting closer.
0: Mind you, when, mind you, ladies and gentlemen, he has a plaid Model S, so right, right. You know that's that's I, it's difficult. I started it in He's the 60s. doing well. He's doing <laughs> so, well. <laughs>
1: so I've been climbing.
0: It's it's difficult, but it's maintaining. Mike, what about yourself? Now, Mike, Mike is also trying to get into the FSD thing. So, what, what's your score, Mike? I, I'm at ninety four. That's, that's impressive. In L.A., that's impressive. I, I haven't done it yet because, you know, I, y- y'all are encouraging me maybe to get back into <laughs> it. I don't know. All right. So, so as I said earlier, uh, you know, the 4680 batteries is a really big deal and, uh, for a lot of people. And uh, it's a, I think it's fantastic for Tesla because it just shows where their strengths are. Like anybody can make a, a, a car. You know, but the, what the proof is in the battery in the technology, and I think the 4680 batteries are really a, a good leap. Um, I'm sure Mike and Lewis will agree with me on that. so um, who wants to take this before because both of you guys can have some similar uh, thoughts about it so who, who wants to jump in and, and, and talk about the 4680 batteries?
2: Well you got it, two things you got two things to talk about on the battery pack. One is the pack design itself. It's a structural battery now it's just not right. a just both on, right? Bolted to the bottom of the car, right? The second item is actually the design and engineering that went into the battery itself. Uh, Tesla put a whole lot of time and effort into a complete redesign of the chemistry that went into these batteries. And when you get into the the nitty gritty detail, uh, it's awfully impressive what they've done. But um, I think we should start with structural. I mean. You know, Tesla's yeah, taking, I like
0: that part of it. Yeah,
2: I mean, Tesla took something that was, at, and for most manufacturers, is a bolt-on, or they drop it onto the floor, they put it in the trunk, or you know, wherever they found space, and hook some wires up and say, here's your battery pack. And they right. said, no, we're actually going to make a casting. We're going to design this pack to be part of the frame, for lack of a better word. It's going to be an integral part of the car. It is removable, although... Um, it seems to take an awful lot of work to get it out. Right. But it is removable. And at the same time they did all this, and if you watched the Monroe video, they took a look at all the electronics and completely went through that and cleaned it up and optimized and redesigned bits and pieces. And they actually borrowed a lot of electronics from the S. So now they're taking the scale and they're going, well, yeah, we built a lot of Model Ys and we built a lot of Model Ss, but if we can make the parts common, we can really get a volume of scale going here, and uh, that's pretty impressive. I'm, I'm, I gotta say, Tesla's flexing a little bit with their uh, with their design skills there.
0: Right, and for me, this is where, and you know, we make a clar a clarification that the 4680 is a cell. It is a collection of cells in a battery. That's what the it, 4680
2: is. It, so they're using round cell technology, which is. You know, been their their go-to design for yeah it's kind of like it's kind of
0: like what's in this thing it's kind of like these these little guys but a little, little bit, bit different well, different size just <laughs>
2: take that and make it a whole yeah, lot bigger there you go yeah <laughs> exactly yeah 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 but uh yeah it, it's it's pretty phenomenal what they've done um they changed the cathode technology and the chemistry involved uh they've gotten rid of or they've reduced some of the toxic chemicals that normally would be in a battery pack considerably uh, so so, props to them for taking care of that and actually paying attention to the details.
0: Yeah, and I, I think again, that's you know, this is where Tesla shines. Like you mentioned, is that their technology in in the battery chemistry because they've been doing it for years. And you know, to me, Tesla's like the Netflix of cars. It's like Netflix came out with the subscription. It's like pff, no one's going to subscribe. Going to subscribe to some yeah. streaming service? Who's going to do that? Now everyone's jumping over themselves to do it. So now you know, Tesla are saying, look. Here, this is why we are the ish. This is why we are the top dogs. Is because look at our technology. Look at where we brought this battery chemistry. Look at where it's going. Now we've integrated to the to the, to the car where it's more structurally sound. The production costs can be lower, and so you're gonna, you're going to have a nice, solid, more a, a better kind of a car. It's not just a bolt on like the pole, like the like the was it a Volvo you you mentioned? Yeah,
2: Pole Polestar is a the ice Polestar. car that's been converted.
0: Yeah, so it's it's not just some you know Frankenstein machine. It's actually they're they're thinking about okay the battery goes here well, this helps that out and this helps that out
2: and, and and let's let's actually push it a little further it's they've taken their energy density they've increased the density they've reduced the size of the pack right. they've reduced the weight they've increased the range that's all good stuff and it's a lot of hard work to do
1: that but yeah um, I mean I, I think it's I, I agree with Mike it's very impressive what they've done I think the uh, the structural uh, design of the pack uh, is incredibly innovative. I, I guess I want to say that's I a good way to put it. Other, I would I didn't agree see with that. Any other car company even considering to do something like that? Um, now it's it certainly leads to some uh, challenges that they have to overcome, and uh, I think that they're uh, you know that there are some signs in the you know the design where like oh that this tooling was wrong or these seals didn't line up or stuff like that but that they're they're already working to improve. Um, the seats, you know, being attached to the actual case <laughs> of the battery. So, mm-hmm. like, you can't just remove the battery. You remove the battery, you're pulling the yep. seats, the floor mat, the carpeting, the yeah. center console. It, it like,
2: is removable. You know, removable, you know it like, takes some work.
1: You're, you're, pu- you're pulling <laughs> a lot of stuff out. But, I mean, it, it is really impressive. I think the, the thing to keep in mind is that. You know, a lot of times when people are talking about all these advancements or improvements to the forty six AV battery cells and things mm-hmm. like that, you have to it's all relative, right? In the sense of the cells themselves do have a lot of improvements over, you know, the twenty one seventies or some of the older battery cells out there. But like when you talk about things like range of the car the range of the car is really a function of like how much power does it have versus how much power does it take to operate the weight all that kind of stuff so while the 4680s allow them to have more range it's also very possible that tesla just goes well we're not going to put as many cells in so the range isn't any longer right, right. The, the just because but th- this battery is there to drag around to, exactly it doesn't mean that you have more you know more range you could have more range it also just means that maybe it's you know cheaper, more efficient things like that for Tesla, I feel like most of the advantages of the forty six eighty are actually for Tesla and less for the consumer themselves having the car because it's price reduction, you know manufacturing improvements um you know costs, things like that. they don't necessarily need as many cells, all that kind of stuff, but again, that being said they New technology, new cell manufacturing, there have been road bumps. Elon even admitted, like, yeah, things aren't perfect yet. They've got a yep. lot of improvement to do, which is why it's kind of in a slow ramp. These 4680s, you know, they originally were planning on these batteries, for example, being available for the Plaid, which came out over a year ago. That was the whole, the rumored idea of the Plaid Plus. And that didn't happen. They scrapped that car. Um, and also just, like, these batteries are right now only in one model of the Model Y, only made in Giga Texas, because they're having challenges in how they ramp up that manufacturing, that production. I think if you start seeing these batteries when they start using them at the Giger Berlin plant and you know you start having them available into other models, uh, we'll start seeing more benefit you know, to most people. Uh, but certainly I think it's a, a huge innovative leap and I think it's really impressive, especially what Monroe and Associates showed and how they're doing things. Um, but I mean, there's, there's lots of cool stuff with the battery that's different. Like, so I saw a tear down video of the cell itself. And like, so for example, a 2170 cell, the, uh, the outer shell, like the, the, the can of the, the cylinder itself is about a hundred microns thick. These, because mm. they're structural, they're about 600 microns thick. Yeah. So they're like way thicker, um, and way sturdier, um, than what the older cells were, Um, And then there's a lot of interesting things in how they, like, they weld them together and how they, you know, they do the packs and stuff and how they, they they structure them together. And, you know, Mike hit the nail on the head, you know, one of their best innovations is how they leverage the parts between the different models and how they're able to reuse some of those electronics. But yeah, so it's a really really interesting and like great, again, innovative technique. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it evolves. I think they're going to improve it. I think they're going to get better at it. I think eventually it will lead to, better ranges you know faster charging it seems to already be doing faster charging so that'll yeah. be awesome.
2: so so to leverage what lewis just said um i'm going to throw some numbers out for the geeks in the in the group the these new cells you know so they're, they're physically bigger they are a little bit bigger um but with the size increase they're getting um a five times improvement in energy storage so even though the cell is a little bigger, they've really increased the amount of storage because of how they're constructing the cell and how they're working with the silicon, because they are a silicon cell. Um, they have, each cell has 16% more range available. If you just want to look at a single cell and you want to you know measure it out, um, that 16% is how they cut back on the number of cells between the density and the range. You don't need as many cells to go the same amount of distance you went with the old pack. Which is, that's, that's all good. Yeah, I mean, it costs less money to put the pack together. You know, you get the same range. You haven't given up anything. That's a plus. That's a win. Um, I'm sure there's a group of people say, well, I'd rather have more range. I want right. my 500 miles like the Rivian exactly. has. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 I drive a Model 3 with short legs. And the, the one thing I'll say about having short legs it charges really fast <laughs> so <laughs> i'm not sitting there for a long time charging a battery that's going to take me 500 miles so i guess it, it's a
1: trade-off <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think it's fair to say that you know they'll eventually leverage more of the range that you get out of it I'm i sure think the will. real challenge right now is they can't make enough of them like they yep. physically cannot make the batteries well, aren't, fast aren't these the
2: same cells going into the trucks also
1: it I is think so yeah acted to be what goes yeah.
2: into the truck. What, that's I'm, that's wondering, I, I'm, I'm surprised yeah. at why I got these actually and they didn't keep them all for the big trucks that they're trying to get out the door.
1: I mean, I think part of it, right, is they need to they want to they want to get real road tests. right? Get so, real yeah, right. yeah. So, experience. so our our Model Y with these are actually a beta test. You're beta testing. Means, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so far it's been going really well. A lot of the reports coming in, people are happy with them. So,
0: I mean, people think you know, the Model Y it looks like a, an overgrown cockroach, but it's it's a, it's a test. So I'll <laughs> oh, take it. Harsh. <laughs> hey, so so th- there's a member on the th- on the thread we're talking about here, Sleepy Doc, and he's he's quoting from someone, Bob c He says Bob 2C says exactly. Exactly, But what really do these new batteries have over the current ones that have a proven record other than more efficiency and cheaper for the manufacturer? Well, Sleepy Doc says, you say more efficiency like it's nothing. That's one of the major goals of battery design since the inefficiencies in the battery packs cause all sorts of other problems. Decreased available power, decreased regenerative braking, heat regeneration that degrades the battery and requires energy spent to cool the battery pack. I think that's a pretty cool, pretty good uh, comment that you made. So efficiency, um,
2: one one of the one of the car manufacturers made a point that efficiency is the holy grail of an EV. I mean, as a package, I mean, between the aerodynamics, between the batteries, between the motors, between everything, efficiency is the holy grail, because the more efficient the vehicle is, the further it's going to go with the least amount of energy, right? And I
1: mean, and even if it wasn't more efficient, I mean, it is. I think everyone agrees it is more efficient, which is just a huge win across the board. But even if it was purely a cost reduction, that would also be a huge benefit (laughs) because either the cars are going to be cheaper, so more people can afford them and buy them and get benefit of having a Tesla, or they're going to be able to put more money into other areas of the car to improve various aspects of it, right? so. I you know I even if it was only a cost savings for Tesla it's still a win but I think the efficiency and all the other benefits it's going to lead to massive improvements um, across the board as the cells get the technology gets you know developed more and it gets more widely used and I mean it also puts a lot of more power into Tesla right cuz Yes, Tesla makes their existing cells, sort of, they have partnerships with companies. This is literally, these cells are manufactured in their own building, you know, yeah. with their facility. They have more direct control over T- what's Tesla
2: happening. Tesla's one of the few companies that does that. You know, yeah. I mean, they're, they're pretty vertical compared to a lot of the other manufacturers of, of EVs. And that you know, they've kind of taken a page from Apple in that sense. You know, they've, they've looked at it and said, well, if we own top to bottom the stack, and we have a vertical market. We can control every piece of that to our desires, and that's a smart way to do it when you're talking to something this complicated.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think, uh, like I said, I, I think this is great that Tesla have uh, finally got these batteries out because there has been been rumors. Where is it coming? Why is it doing this? And I know it's only in the uh, it's only d- done in Texas, right? Because uh, Fremont yeah. isn't tooled up yet for it. So, uh, ha- did they did they mention that they were going to? Tool up Fremont to do it, or are these are these only going to be the ones that are made in America? Are they only going to be done in, in Texas, or will they eventually go to Fremont as well?
1: I'm not sure that they'll ever do it. I mean, it's it's possible that they they may eventually uh, upgrade Fremont to be able to support it. Um, I, I'm pretty certain that you know Giga Berlin is planning on it. Yeah. Um, but the I guess the, you have to keep in mind that the challenges are in the for for the foreseeable future. And this is true in industry wide. There are not enough batteries, right? <laughs> you cannot make enough batteries. So for right. them to do the work to like shut down the old battery production, bring it up, and all that kind of stuff, I don't see that happening in even the next you know year or two. Right. Probably right. not. Um, and the existing batteries, you have to. Understand, like, it's not like they're garbage, right? It's not like current Teslas on the road that don't have 4680s are horrible cars. Right. They're amazing pieces of technology. There is a lot of value to them. And there's a lot of engineering that's gone into it. You know, there was a, you know, actually, so uh, Sandy Monroe, you know, they, they did a teardown of the plaids battery pack and they looked mm. at it and the plaids battery pack isn't even using, it's not even using the 2170s. It's using the original, original batteries from back when the roadster first came out, you know, mm. over a decade ago. And those battery cells, they've done all these advanced things to get the power output to make the car amazing. Right. So. Don't think that your Teslas without 4680s are bad. They're very capable. And I don't see Tesla shutting down making those cells anytime soon because they just need more cells, period. And I think they're going to limit where the 4680 batteries go in the near term because the production struggling. As they enhance production, they get it you know, ramped up more and more. They'll probably transition more cars and more vehicles over to... 4680, but again, the older battery cells—they're not even physically making them themselves in a lot of cases. They're buying them from like Panasonic and yep. you know LG and other types of com- yeah. manufacturers. So there's no harm in them just continuing to do that. In addition to
2: and and back to your Fremont comment, um, I, I don't think Fremont's ever going to be making the structural battery pack unless there's some major changes that take place. And the reason yeah. <laughs> I say that is because that to make that casting takes a very special piece of equipment of which Tesla has two <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm not sure Fremont's in, in the in the loop to get one of those pieces of yeah. equipment to make that casting
1: yeah I mean I don't think Fremont has the setup to even support it like they would have to do a massive overhaul of the factory there yeah. so I don't think Fremont will ever do it um, but I mean, again, could, could be surprised, but <laughs> yeah, who knows what will come in the future? You know, I, maybe two or three years from now, they might do something like that. But I think in the near term, they're looking at ramping up their existing, you know, production at the existing and, factories. You know,
2: we were talking about efficiency and I, I just looked up a number to make sure I quote it correctly and you're going to like this mark, you know, cause I'm a geek. I like details. So the, the battery pack with that's not structural for the Y takes over 70 components the structural pack that the frame reduces that 70 to two
0: Mm -hmm.
2: so you know that's efficiency in manufacturing maybe not efficiency in your car but
1: certainly efficiency in manufacturing sure it's it's definitely a, a cost balancing initiative right like it's it's based on how you know where, when does the, you know, economics go in the favor of, hey, let's redo the factory. Hey, let's change what the production lines are. And eventually that point may come. Um, but again, at this point, like Tesla doesn't want to slow down at all. They physically cannot make cars fast enough. Right. right. Yeah. No, so yeah. they don't want to do anything to my, disrupt that. My, my,
2: my December delivery date tells me that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and
1: keep in mind, they're already, they have better margins on their cars than any major auto manufacturer out there. So like it's in their interest to keep pumping out cars as fast as they can. The yeah. iterative improvements and things that they do, they will continue to do that, but the like big revolutionary improvements, it's so much easier to do that when you build a new factory than it is to retrofit an old factory. It's really yeah. hard For really sure. expensive For sure. And it takes a really long time. For sure. So like they they'd almost be more inclined to build a new factory than to revamp the Fremont to fully support all the things that, you know, Giga Texas has, yeah. at least in the experience that I've seen working in other manufacturing industries, a lot of times that's what happens.
0: My man Chris said, "Hey, how can I switch to four six eighty batteries?" I'm like Chris, a hey, you, you, you got to buy a new one. The, the, the new Model Y, man, that's the thing.
1: Yeah. So flip so, your current car. And yeah, buy yeah, a flip new model y. yeah,
0: flip it. <laughs> so you know, kind of, kind of on the heels of this, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about some some smelly things after this. But uh, <laughs> th- th- there's a a few friends I know who they people you know people hate tesla they they just they're tesla haters so yeah so people say oh you know your car like i was with some friends the other day like oh yeah you know tesla it may be zero emissions but look at all the diesel fuel that they use to dig them and mine the lithium you know all that stuff is i'm like okay so maybe to kick the can down the street but at some point you do have to you have to there's going to be some type of way you, you got to mind mine it some kind of way. So they, they complained that, well, you know, all this lithium is, is hurting our environment. I said, well, you know, if more people thought that that was a big issue, I think, it, I think it would less people would buy the cars. They would probably buy something that's like um, more safer, you know, whatever. But, it, it it this that's the first thing that they say is is that you know Elon is the antichrist they'll say that then they say well you know you got to mine all the lithium and uh your car is not really zero emissions i said well you know the the car is zero emissions but it does take some emissions to get the the, the lithium sure but no one is saying that's not the case i mean it's, just, it's it's it is what it is you know
2: maybe they're worried about all the rubber dust that you know my tires are grinding off. Or.
0: Man, you know I can, you know I can I can I can talk about that stuff forever. Um, but yeah, but but before but before I get my piece of meat out and and talk about you know talk about the energy the energy about Tesla, let me let me let me kick a little PSA out there about the um, the H H HVAC smell. It's a particular issue in Model Threes, and there's been lots of uh, some of our re, our listeners here. And viewers who are who frequent uh, the Tesla Motors forum have seen this in the general section at in the Model 3 and. It it is an issue. It's an issue in the Model Three in the, the design. I, you know, a lot of us think it's in the design of where the intake is under the hood. You can get leaves in it, and you get all types of debris in there, and it settles down in there. And then you add a little moisture, a little whatever, and then you got a nice little hodgepodge of bacteria compost. happening. You yeah, a little compost. Nice going. Yeah. dish. yeah, and <laughs> and there's and there's and one thing that I've noticed is there's a lot of people on Reddit, TMC that says, oh. I got the one-all fix. You know, you got to spin your head around. You got to put this in the car, turn it on for 17.2 <laughs> seconds, not 17.3 seconds. And then you buy this snake oil stuff that goes into the microbial zappa-dappa-doo. And then after that, your car smells better. And then you got people out here buying all this esoteric stuff and then this stuff together. And then it's like, oh, uh, yeah, it smells great. And then, like, next week, like, we, uh, two weeks later, hey, the smell's back. So, the, the, go figure there are there, there are there are preventative measures that you can put in place to do these things i think microbial air filters and all this kind of nonsense doesn't necessarily do it with the, the main issue is is bacteria Gets onto the the coils, and then you get a warm, moist environment. They grow. They love that area. If you use your your AC on manual, you know you turn it up, whatever, and then you just turn it off the car off, and it shuts off. Well, then if you're out in the sun and the heat, the bacteria like oh, it's it's just giving it energy to to feast on on all those those dirt, dust, and bits. So when you get back in the car, and the the air intake is blowing air through. That across those coils, now you're smelling that. So, your $40, $50 micro microbial air filters you put in there, you're like, well, dang, these things ain't doing much because now two weeks later the smell is back. It's not that, it's from there. So, one thing that I do, and I've had two Teslas, is that I've never had the smell. Um, uh, I had an older car, it was an $80,000 SUV, uh, uh, Infinity, and it had it, I smelled it a little bit. But the point is what I do is is just that I run the uh, I run the air. I run my car in auto. So when it, when it's in auto it's it's cycling on and off. The, the compressor kicks in, it com- it cools the air, when it gets to a temperature it cuts it off. There's always air flowing across it, not always cold air. It's okay to have just room temperature air going across it to keep keep things at bay. And one thing you can do out there people in TV land is that if you can remember to just dis- turn your ac off just let let the air flow the outside air flow across the coils to kind of dry it up you will smell less of that sock smell the the vomit smell that that danny's mentioned he's a producer here that's the the vomit you'll smell less of that and and you'll have more of a fresher car i i keep my car on auto i don't have an issue with the smell I, and, and but there's tons of articles or Threads on it, and I just wanted to just kind of make a PSA about it. Uh, that for for me, how I and I, you know, I'm in, in LA, so it's always hot here. But I don't necessarily park on the street. I will admit uh, that you know, I park in garages because where I work is in a garage, and I live in a garage. I have a garage here, so I'm not always out under trees and things. But I don't, so I don't, I don't, get the leaves and stuff. But I still am out in the heat and the humidity sometimes. And for me, having an auto just doesn't make the smell happen. So this, I just wanted to say that put on a platter and just say that and just maybe someone can just try it and say oh you know what's it's, it's 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 free it's cheap there's no special stuff to buy just try that and just try to remember to cycle just your your vent and be and be good Lewis hasn't had this problem because he's got a, you know, he's got a, the plat. It's got, a, it's got bio, heard of bio. This issue. Yeah, it's got bio mode or whatever. Bio weapon defense
1: mode. Yeah. yeah, so you don't, you don't
0: have that issue. But a lot of Model Three people do have the issue. Mike, have, do you experience it often in, in your car? I, I have not. And uh, I was thinking as as you were talking
2: that I tend to change my filters more often than most, right? Because I live in a fire zone. Right. And for the last five years, we've had fires—a significant amount of fires—and people don't realize that when you're driving to work or around, and there's a fire, you're picking up a lot of ash. Yeah. And I've pulled out filters that are only six months old that are just covered. Yeah. You know, so I tend yeah. to be changing those pretty regularly. Um, yeah. I would, I would think though, the folks in like let's say Atlanta, where you've got high humidity. Oh my gosh. Houston, high humidity. Oh my gosh. I mean that's a that's a big deal. Here in the West Coast, not such a big deal. We have a dry right. heat. Right.
0: what they like Which to I say. love. I love. <laughs> I'm from the South, and I love it, man.
2: Yeah. So I, I, I could see where it could be a real problem, but I have not experienced it with my 2019.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, a, a lot of people, there's a lot of new people that come on and, you know, whatever car they had before and, you know, a lot of us think, you know, just in our personal opinion, that the way the the intake is designed is it's a there's a an area for it. now Tesla at one point this is when I a couple years ago they mentioned that there's a software update that would run the fan. I'm not sure if it does it or not because I've never heard it. Um, well, and a lot of people in the comments, just what I've read over the years and so months. Let me
2: let me throw this to you. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take your ball. and I'm gonna flick it back to you.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> so one thing I do that not everybody does is I I've got the um, auto temp control on my car. Right. So during the day it keeps the car about 95 right. degrees max, right. which means the AC is running all day. Right. You know whether I'm in the car or not. I'm I'm curious if that may kind of help. Uh, the yeah. other thing The other thing I would say is pay attention to your car when you pull out of the driveway on the hot day. If you don't see a trail from the humidifier, you know, all the condensation, you right. might want to check the drain hole, make sure it's not clogged. Because I have right. seen that a problem on some other cars. Yeah. If the water can't get out, then it's just gonna sit there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Some we got some viewers come in, like Doug says he doesn't hear the fan running. And so I'm not sure if it even does that. Um, but granted, like I said, my method, I just keep it on auto and I don't had I don't have an issue at all, you know. So um if uh, anyone is listening, you know, even after this is aired live, if anyone is listening and they want to comment on it, uh, just send us comments over to the, uh, the, the podcast section TMC and let us know what you think about it. And if someone, uh, has questions about it, we can talk about it later. But, you know, it's just a, just a little quick thing I just wanted to mention, because there's it's the summer, the, the height of the summers here, coming here, and people are going to experience this more and more and more, especially new people who just are getting into Model 3s and things. I think the Model Y has a bio-filtered thing, too, right? So they, they don't, I don't think they have they this They might issue.
1: have fixed the design with the Model Y, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I don't think they have the issue, but it is a, a definite concern, you know. Um, but anyway, moving on from that, so… There's been you know a lot of a lot of um, a lot of things in the news about Tesla, and, and some of our listeners may know that uh, Tesla aren't just about cars. It's about solar panels. It's about power walls, megapacks. Um, it's a large scale industry storage for power plants. You know which is what megapacks is. So one of the things that has been in the news a lot is the future of energy, and there's two pieces to this. The first one is the analysis. Um, concerned about how Russia can affect the supply of natural gas to Europe, you know, and implications where that comes from and um, how that trickles down to us here in the States, you know. And um, Lewis, this is before in the green room we were talking. And so Lewis was uh, was mentioning about um, his his thing about nuclear plants and in my mindset there is a lot of miscommunication and misunderstanding about nuclear plants because we we've seen stuff back in the day like these old 50s tv shows where you know oh my gosh nuclear spells and you go into some monsters so we have this kind of a, a an uneducated not all of us but <laughs> me i will be the first to admit that i'm very uneducated about um nuclear energy and and how how the technology has improved over the years, so um, Lewis has some some thoughts about that. And so does Mike. So I'm trying to figure out who I want to start first. Okay, I want to I want to do Mike. I want Mike first because Mike Mike is going. I think what Mike's going. His comments are more sided with most people, I think, and then Lewis. Anyway, so so Mike, tell us what, what do you think about uh, about uh, the the future of uh, energy production here and and the uh, uh, the, um, the nuclear age that we're in.
2: Well, all right, so let, let's, let's take a broad stroke approach yeah. at this. Yes. So please. on, on one side, you've got the issue in Russia, and the interruption of the natural gas and the oil. And you have to include oil in it, not just natural gas, they are a big producer of, of oil. All right. All right. Um, on our side, and on the, on the North America side, US, we're having severe problems with hydropower right now, hydroelectric, we just don't have enough water to get hydroelectric power. And that was a big percentage of our clean energy. Um, We do have some solar uh, plants out, usually in the high desert, but not nearly enough. Uh, We have oil plants, we have natural gas plants, and we do have some nuclear plants, although we've, we've decommissioned a few of them along the way. And, With the interruptions of some of our more common energy, hydro, oil, you know, we're looking back at coal, we're looking back at nuclear, should we actually keep the few we have left up and running uh, for an extended period of time, you know, maybe build new ones. I mean, there's some discussion about building new ones. Uh, Technology has advanced, there's better tech than we had 30 years ago. Uh, you can look at San Onofre just down the coast here, and it it looks like the Apollo spacecraft compared to what we're launching hmm. now. I mean, <laughs> you know, tech has come a long ways. I'll, I'll grant you that. And, and this has been a pet thing of mine for years. I was telling everybody in the green room before the show, uh, I was 12 and I was writing letters to my senators and my my state representatives about nuclear power plants and some of the problems. Because even at 12, I could see the issue of not so much the tech. But it was the people building these plants were responsible and reporting to shareholders who wanted maximum profit, and that's in direct conflict with building something safe and reliable. Because you're always under pressure to save a buck, and as soon mm-hmm. as you start saving a buck, a corner gets cut. And, and unlike oil, coal, natural gas, cutting the corner may level a city block. If you cut a corner in a nuclear power plant, you've got much bigger problems that last a lot longer. So. Um, I was never a fan um, although the Navy did prove nuclear can be done and done safely they've used it for years and they've had very very few issues um, yeah
0: wasn't it on the on the aircraft carriers on the Air Force Didn't they start did they with the subs
2: that uh, Rickenbach uh, mm-hmm. actually uh, uh, Nautilus if I remember correctly was the first nuclear powered sub and it, it, it progressed from that and it was and when they when the Navy did it, it was built to very tight standards highly trained people ran it and you know they they had a lot of safeguards put in place and it it did work compare that to civilian world where it's for profit the the people may not be as highly trained may not be as highly motivated um it doesn't work quite as well in my opinion and that's what it is it's an opinion Hmm. and I'm, i'm sure lewis Has got a slightly different opinion. So, so, so,
0: so, you know, there, the, 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 there's a debate over the future of the last nuclear plant here in California. It's in Diablo Canyon, and it's up in the Central Coast, and uh, it supplies about ten percent of our state's electricity. If I'm, if I'm correct, it's Uh, it's sizable.
2: It's, it's got, it's it's very sizable.
0: It's set to close by 2025, but a lot of people. A lot of officials, I should say, including some former secretaries of energy, uh, have been weighing on why it it needs to stay open. Um, so Lewis is... Has a different perspective <laughs> on this these these things, and Louis. You know, sure,
2: I'm not sure if it's different as it's it's a, it's a different focus.
0: Different focus, and 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 Louis. Louis, he's he's enge- in background engineering is his background, so he he. This is why I wanted him to to just go at it because he can bring a lot of things to the table that it's <laughs> not just you know for the layman, but he can also for the for the geeks out there who dig this. He can be able to uh shed some light. So all right. All
1: right. Right. I've thrown it your way. So, so (laughs) I guess just to give a, yeah. So obviously, so I, I education wise, I was physics and computer science, but in the military, I was actually part of civil engineering. I did power generation, power distribution and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I definitely have a certain take on it. Um, it's real easy. I say build all the plants in California because I don't live there, right? Um, <laughs> 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 no. Um. But but uh, but in all seriousness, I mean, it, here here's the bottom line. There, so so there's two areas of power, right? There's power generation, and then there's power storage, and, and don't those forget are, distribution. Well, I mean, distribution <laughs> exists, but my point is like. There's different technologies developed for power generation. There's different technologies for power storage. Um, Tesla kind of does a little bit of both with solar panels and battery packs and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, if you look just holistically across, you know, not even just our country, but the globe, there is no one technology that will satisfy the demand period. So no matter what you want, we will need some combination of, various forms of generating power. Solar will not work for the whole world. Wind will not work. Solar plus wind will not work. There's just physically isn't enough out there te- with the technology, again, that we have today to where that can pull it off. So at some point, you're going to need to generate additional power through, you know, existing methods that we have like coal, natural gas, oil, that kind of stuff. Now nuclear power is has a lot of Stigma around it for some legitimate reasons. There are certainly legitimate reasons, but realistically there's a lot of modern technology, a lot of advancements that have been made where it is not nearly as scary as people think it should be. Um, But unfortunately our country is kind of falling behind in the development of that, Mm -hmm. even though we kind of led nuclear power development, you know, 70 years ago and all the, on the Mm -hmm. earlier days of what was doing, we aren't really putting money into it because people are afraid of the technology. Now, There are some startups, there are some companies building smaller nuclear reactors and coming up with new innovative ways. But like nuclear as a whole, looking at the stats, is safer than the vast majority of massive amounts of energy production that we have. Um, You know, coal and oil, all those things are constantly polluting. Nuclear is not. Yes, there's nuclear waste, but that waste is not as scary as most people think. And again, there are alternative types of reactors. Really, India, China—they're putting massive amounts of money in these, and I real—and I feel like their development of the technology will eventually trickle back over here, hmm. um, and we may benefit from it. But it, it's not all doom and gloom. Nu- nuclear is not just automatically bad. Uh, I agree with Mike all of the there's a lot of negatives to the for-profit yada-yada and corruption and cheaping out and things that happen there um, which is why I think in in our type of free market when it comes to something that dangerous regulations do make a lot of sense that is important um, but the uh, but anyway point still stands there are alternate forms of reactor technologies liquid salt reactors using you know different fuel sources like thorium um, which is not a silver bullet but there's some promise there um, but even like When you look at nuclear waste, what most people don't realize is the vast majority of nuclear waste actually isn't long term. It isn't ten thousand years. It's be able to be reprocessed. It's able to be repurposed. It's a very small percentage that comes out that actually has to be long-term handled. So anyway, so that has a whole side of it. The other thing though, just looking at it from a Tesla standpoint of, Mm. you know, Elon did those interviews, you know, a few months ago over the last few months about, you know, talking about long-term, you know, goals of like battery production, all these things they want to do. It is not feasible to use like power wall type batteries, use lithium cells to do the battery storage required globally. It just isn't. Like if you look at the numbers that he had in his interview, he was talking about things where you would need all of the production of all of the resources that we have going towards batteries, like times you know, 10 X to even be able to handle the load of what we would need. So, I mean, there's a lot of other technologies out there with way, interesting ways of storing power, such as like, you know, Mike mentioned hydro reservoirs pumping water into reservoirs and then using that to then generate hydro on demand as necessary. That's a very long, you know, it's a very old technology that we've had for, you know, uh, centuries of how do we store power after a while like well, storing water and, and then that, letting that it flow. that's a
2: crucial understanding about power in general as power is transitory unless you correct. have a way to store it yeah. you lose it yeah correct you know, and and people don't really understand that well i think it, at least exactly. even, even today you know they they flip on their lights and they're saying, "Oh, i'm using electricity yeah you are because if you don't it goes away i mean
1: yeah, power plants are literally constantly trying to generate just enough over what everyone at, right, at that second is at, f- at, at that, that moment. At that exact moment, yep. they're trying to generate that, and they're trying to ride that line. Because yep. anything extra they generate just is wasted. They're it's basically wasted. doing nothing with it. And if they go under, that's how you get things like brownouts and blackouts and stuff if hmm. they don't produce and, enough. And
2: I think that's driving Tesla's point about power walls and the microgrids that they're experimenting with with P&G or PG&E up north, where – you you get that overage, you keep it in a battery or lots of batteries, and then you can release it later in the evening or lead, later on the day or whenever you get that line starting to dip that you need some extra power. Um, right. In my mind, that's a smart way to do it. I mean, everybody's got a bare wall in their garage that they could put a battery pack on. That, yeah. That's the, n-
1: again, the problem is making enough battery packs. So I, think, I agree. I, I well, think well that- but it
2: doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be the high end. Super duper batteries. I sure. mean, they've I already think LFP proven-
1: is like a great example, right? Like perfect LFP perfect. batteries. For those don't know, that's lithium iron phosphate batteries. That's why it's cheap, called LFP. cheap to make, easy to make. They're very cheap. <laughs> they're not as energy dense as some, uh, you know, the the types yeah. of batteries that you're in talking about, the and they're much heavier. <laughs> so it's, LFPs are kind of a bad technology to use in like you, your you Tesla car. You can't put in your car, yeah. but. If it's just stationary in your house, it's actually a pretty good technology. Now, again, early technology, there needs to be a lot of development. So I, I think holistically looking at it, you know, are we going to get away from oil and coal and all that immediately overnight? No. I think there's been a tremendous amount of effort to reduce coal, which has been awesome um, because coal does create a lot of emissions. Yep. Uh, well, now- all, right, all right. But let's, let's counter that. I mean, yes, it creates
2: a lot of emissions, but the tech they're using today actually reduces that by a lot.
1: It does. It's it's I mean, it's way better than it used to be. It's not it, like it, it was a hundred years ago. I, I would say
2: it's actually viable if if you want to put the money into the missions control, and you didn't strip mine to get the coal, it's probably viable. Uh,
1: I mean, the the bottom line is right. Like any anything that's a fossil fuel, no matter what, is carbon that night. is not currently in the atmosphere. No, it's not that. It's it's carbon that is not in the atmosphere, and right. you're releasing it into the atmosphere. So even uh, if you release 0.0001% of the carbon which <laughs> you're never going to get there. It's still increasing the greenhouse gases no matter what. You can't do like you will always do that whether it's coal, oil, but natural gas. There's no way to get around that. We need that bridge so, right now. Realistically, we need more solar, we need more wind and all of that. We need more hydro where it can happen, we need geothermal where it can happen. The problem is wind, solar, geothermal, um, hydro, they're all limited based on area and which parts of the world they can go in. Now, are we fully utilizing it to its best ability? No, there's tons no, of places close. that we could be adding a lot more. However, you're not. I don't see us with current technology ever in in the in the near whatever next 50 years, next hundred years, unless there's a huge breakthrough in physics. We're probably not going to get there. So we need something else. I think nuclear is a really good option to. Kind of carry a lot of that load Um, if it's done safely, if it's done with newer technologies. Again, there's a lot of ifs around it. Um, I think that oil and coal and all of that natural gas is a stopgap measure that is not going away. We will need it to get there because to build a power plant, it's not like you go, hey, I'm going to build a power plant. Right, like it's even harder than building a Tesla factory. It's going to yes, take so five harder. years, ten years minimum, usually longer, um, and you know, lots of money. So I think all of these power things that we have going on, we need. To keep going short-term solutions, but we need to be actively working on new technologies to advance stuff. I think all the, you know, again, solar that Tesla's doing is fantastic and other companies. It's not just Tesla. The battery tech, I think Tesla's doing a lot to help push that development. And I hope that keeps happening. Power walls. I hope everyone gets power walls that can afford it. <laughs> um, you know, I have Tesla solar power walls at my house. I think it's wonderful. Um, So I definitely think that we should do that. But I also think we will absolutely need things like nuclear power in the long run, or we're just not going to meet the needs of the world, and we're going to be burning coal and oil for the next, you know... So, Lewis, what what needs to
0: happen? What needs to happen for... Because at the end of the day, it's people like me who have no idea about um, nuclear power and thinks it's scary. So... What what needs to happen to educate the public so that we can be like, oh, you know what? Uh, this is great. And so why are we doing more of these? What, what do you think the first thing that the government, the, the, the powers that be need to do to make solar power, I mean, a nuclear energy look better than what it is? Because it has a negative stigma to it.
1: So, I, I mean, I don't know. It's a it's a hearts and minds campaign. Yeah. So it's like, your, how do you educate people your, to do yeah. that? Yeah. Um, I think... To start, we probably – yeah, it, it's it's weird because as you can see, like, for example, with the politicians and stuff that are starting to make these comments, I think what's happening is they come out real strong, down with the nuclear plant, let's get rid of it. And right. then as they gar- start being educated and show the details, they go, oh, crap, we can't actually do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really right. a feasible thing. And then they yeah. kind of backpedal on it and they start going. Yep. Um, the problem is politicians will generally always bend the will of the people. So I think uh, I don't know, I think
2: they, they've to done some extent money. Mic, at mic. least
1: at least publicly. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean okay, tinfoil hat. Um <laughs> but uh but I, I mean I think what we need there there already is money behind nuclear power, right? Like Bill Gates Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Ah. They're all behind. They put money into, into nuclear power, right? Like, So there are big money interests into that space, and I don't think that's going away. But uh, but still, yeah, the average person definitely needs to, I don't know. It would be nice if there was more education for it in either schools or something. I, I have no idea. That's I, I am horrible at coming up with an I haven't thought about how to solve that problem with society. Um, but, I mean, to, just to answer some questions here, I'm seeing some questions from the comments of the viewers. Like uh, Tesla solar and storage. Adam asked you. Do, uh, do the hosts think that Tesla solar and storage can help provide the baseload power we'll need to replace nuclear and move to hundred percent renewables or will nuclear always have a role? Uh, I absolutely do not think that Tesla solar and storage will be able to provide the baseload. I think everything they're doing is fantastic, but even if you did a hundred X of what they're doing right now, it's not enough. It's not enough. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that if you truly want to be quote unquote, renewable and clean as in not releasing more carbon, you will absolutely still need to do nuclear power.
2: I I think that question right there points out one of the education challenges that we face is I don't think people appreciate just how much power is actually used across the board, not just your home. I mean, a lot
1: of industry out there sucks up power and some astronomical numbers. For sure. And you also have to look at the transition to EVs, Right. So there's a lot of things that in the next you know fifteen twenty years they're not going to be able to sell new cars in many countries that are not that's right you know EVs that is taking a huge power load on top of it. Plus we have our normal infrastructure increases of energy every year we use more energy than we did the previous year. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think that that's that's a big part of the problem is can you offset it? Can you help and minimize it? Solar and all those things? Yes. Will solar wind ever be able to completely replace again, not unless we have a whole revolutionary technology. I mean, Dyson spheres, if we had solar in a Dyson sphere, <laughs> boom. Yeah. We're using solar. Well, all, right, then, all right. All
2: right. If we had superconductors, you know, for our just right. Network, exactly. Great. So, so yeah, I you know, it. I don't
1: see that stuff being feasible Um <laughs> now. Uh, okay. Adam asked another question is the point of Tesla me- mega packs to eventually replace nuclear and other baseload. Um, they're not to replace uh, the baseload. They're, they're actually to replace the peak. So if you look at production of energy, there's like a base load that like, there's always a minimum where you always have to generate that much power because it's just background of this much power is being used. But then when we have spikes due to like, you know, the temperature is high. Right. Everybody and turns on their AC o'clock. Yeah, You keep getting yeah. these spikes or like, if you look at even during the day, right? This, this has to do with the whole, why did they do daylight savings and all that nonsense? All the offices, when people go to work, they turn on their lights the hvacs kick on mm-hmm. the power spikes at different mm-hmm. times of the day mm-hmm. just throughout based on mm-hmm. weather and all these things if you look at that stuff you know we those spikes the problem with that is if you have for example if you were only using nuclear power you would have to have enough nuclear power to handle the maximum amount you need you don't want to do that right because you'd have nuclear plants just sitting around doing nothing all the time and then you got to hit a button and turn it on Um, which is hard to do. That's where battery packs are amazing. That's where you know um, having reservoirs and doing a hydro, that helps make it easier. So your baseline power, which I think needs to be something big and beefy, nuclear, oil, coal, all that stuff that we have today is doing that. And then on top of it, we have additional like oil plants, natural gas plants that kind of spike turn on. We need to get rid of those and the mega packs can replace that.
0: I, I was reading what, what Crimson mentioned. Crimson was talking about, and in, in, they have nuclear there in Florida, but they're paying seven cents for the first thousand kilowatts and 13 cents after. Wouldn't, love, wouldn't have anything else. So, see, that's, there's some people out there who, who like the, 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 um, the p- nuclear and are embracing it. You know? And so more well, people okay, like that. Okay, okay. you got to be real careful when you say it. he's embracing cheap power. Okay. He doesn't care true.
2: Where he's getting cheap power? He but he's not. A,
0: but he knows it's nuclear, and he's okay with it. Well, he's okay with the price for now. <laughs> but he but he knows it's nuclear. That's my point. Yeah, he so, he didn't so what, say, what
2: happens. So so those nuclear plants that he loves so much have a finite lifespan, and at some point they do have to be decommissioned. And when that decommissioning takes place, you have to have something to replace it. And there's a huge cost with these old plants on the decommissioning side so but his, it's his seven cents a kilowatt is going to change radically at that time
0: yeah, yeah. but it but right now it's seven cents a kilowatt for, yeah, the, yeah. for the first thousand and yeah. 13 cents long term. and that's and long that's term. what <laughs> and i love and doug's we, comment we're now looking at long term <laughs>
1: blinky, <laughs> blinky from the simpsons don't eat him <laughs> so <laughs> so and, and to be clear it's kilowatt hours it's kilowatts over time but yeah, kilowatt guess,
0: hours yeah there you yeah. go so uh <laughs> Tesla, uh, Tesla, sadly um, have, uh, sadly to me, they've laid out, they've done some more layoffs. This time, they're dealing with the um, the autopilot data data labeling uh, section. So this sounds kind of interesting. You know, Lewis, tell me a little, uh, tell us a little something about what that means, because this is kind of your wheelhouse too.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, so it's layoffs are generally unfortunate, right? It makes the news. People aren't happy about it. Um, I'll quickly just say that most folks that were laid off have recovered. They have jobs at other companies. Some of them have gone to Rivian, some have gone to, you know, Apple and Google and all the other stuff. So hopefully most of them and their families are fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, Elon spoke about, I don't know what it was a month ago or so that they were going to be doing some layoffs and yeah, they, they laid off a bunch of people. Um, they were primarily in the, uh, the autopilot team for data labeling, um, Now, to me, this is expected. I would see this, you know, this is a normal thing. What happens is whenever companies start with AI, so first of all, data labeling is just literally that. It's you look at some data and then you label it, but you put information on it. You use your human brain because we hopefully are smart and know things. Um, So it's like you look at a picture, whenever you do a captcha on a website, right? That's you actually data labeling. Um, So when you look at a picture and you say, oh, here's a car, here's a thing, whatever. Um, so now their data labeling was more sophisticated that, than that. But um, what, what happened was, I guess, Tesla has been developing tools, right, as part of their autopilot, as part as their machine learning, to be able to train their models. Uh, they need labeled data. And so they employed a ton of people to label data, the label, the video feed, you know, signals and stuff getting brought back from the cars to then identify things and help train the models to be more efficient. However, they've made, a, uh, they've made a lot of tooling to make it better. You know, Elon spoke about how they're able to very quickly label, they're able to, they actually have models with their labeling tooling that they've developed and trained. So essentially, as Tesla has become more efficient and better t- equipped with automation to label the data, and as the models get better, and they don't need as much additional labeled data, like if the data is already sufficiently labeled, mm-hmm. then there's not much point in continuing to pay people to label the data. Yeah. So I'm sure they still probably have some labelers. I doubt they got rid of all of them, um, but they don't need as many as they had. So they used it as cost cutting. They they got rid of some of their physical data labelers, and uh, and then they you know they're hiring in other areas. Now, part of it, I I don't know this, this is speculative, so I probably shouldn't say this, but I've personally actually developed software around data labeling for machine learning models. And I've done programs where we've had lots of people trained on doing it. And one of the things you do is you actually compare how well the labelers are doing as well. So it's very possible what they did is they said, hey, we have a thousand labelers. They looked across all of them and said, hey, these 200 or so folks, are doing not as good of a job as the other ones, right? They may have been the lowest accurate. They might have the lowest accuracy of the labeling, or maybe it's timing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they they just cut, you know, cut them off across the board and just said, okay, this section is going away. I don't know that that's true. That would be how I would probably do it, which is, you know, but um, yeah. So So, yeah, they laid off some folks as unfortunate. Many of them have moved on to other companies. So so. do
2: you think this is more a result of the optics of tests of Elon making a bunch of comments two three weeks earlier about laying off across the board and people jumped on this which maybe normally would have been a non-event
1: right this would have usually been a non-event yeah I yeah. think this was because Elon talked about laying off people
2: well well <laughs> you got Elon but you've also got you know meta doing the same thing in a much cruder way meta <laughs> sure
1: yeah I mean yeah Facebook let's call them for what they are No, oh, right, right. a, I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct <laughs> I know oh, come on man come on Mike.
0: There, there's, a, there's a post uh, there's a commenter on uh, the thread in the TMC uh, his name is EV Energy he says they laid off people who do labeling a job that the dojo computers should be able to do it looks like they're just automating the process which should yield faster improvements in FSD since the computer can do it faster than human yeah, well, do you believe uh, disagree or agree Lewis, about that I I uh,
1: S- Slightly agree, but mostly disagree. What I'll say about this, the point of data labeling is that the computer models can't label it. If they did, you wouldn't need to label the data in the first place. Right, yep. So I get that. I, I agree that as your modeling gets better and your labeling tools will get better, it will be able to do a bunch of it automatically. So yes, you shouldn't be like, if you're, if you're doing a data labeling project, the data you're labeling today and the table you're, you're labeling two years from now should not be the same data. You should be moving to harder and harder data sets to continue <laughs> labeling. Um, so, so do I think that the AI should auto be labeling and have no supervision? No. What I imagine they're doing based on what Elon said is yes, they have trained some models on various basic scenarios And those models are labeling the data, and then humans are looking at it and correcting the models. The trust but verify. Exactly. So as the models have improved, they probably don't need as many people correcting. That doesn't mean, though, they they don't need people labeling more complex scenarios or harder things. This is probably just the bulk of, like, the easier type of data that they have. Um, Because, really, you're looking for a broad range of scenarios that you're going to label information. So...
0: So, it, so it, it's it's not it's a this this whole thing is like it's not a big deal. Like, oh my gosh, you lay off. It's it it's more efficient for them to do the way the way they're going instead of yes. having a bunch of people doing it, right? So. At the end of the day, we get our FSD sooner, is, is what the is what I'm hearing.
1: <laughs> it's not going to make yeah. your FSD take any longer to get. How about that?
0: Okay. Okay. It might okay. be more accurate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we have just time for maybe maybe two co- viewer comments from last episode, but we'll definitely get to one. Um, and this is from our podcast number 14 for you guys and ladies listening. Um, it's from Dale Spiva, if I pronounce your name. Says, I have a 98 this is this is for the the um, FSD beta score. Um, Dale Spiva says I have a ninety-eight in LA, which is that's pretty good. Let's that's keep impressive. reading. Why? I keep my new Plaid Model X, it's an SR-71, and no, navigate on autopilot on city streets every moment I can, which is key, and I put on NOAA, navigate on autopilot, on freeway on-ramps and keep it on as long as I can. I do take trips twice a week to drive 100 miles or so on the highway and NOAA to bolster my score, but more because I love driving this magnificent beast. <laughs> it, it, did, did Lewis write this? Um, They're not biased at all. More drive this magnificent beast and use title- HiFi downloads, subscribe, music. So, stats—the stats app tells me how much I need to drive to increase my score. But good scores and major cities can be done. Yes, Dale Spiva. Good scores and major cities can be done if you get on, if you do a couple of uh, miles driving yourself, and then quickly put it on navigate on, on autopilot, and then do a hundred miles over time. Because what you're saying here is that your one hundred miles—that's what's keeping your score in good graces. Because technically, you're not supposed to get deemed for people jump in front of you for phantom for, for quick yeah, stops and yeah, things right. like that you know so it, it, i i challenge you mr and miss del spiva to drive and keep that score without doing 100 miles on uh, autopilot and see where your score is come back and tell us what you think uh, where it is because <laughs> i'm telling you man in it, like in the in the mornings in on my three i get on to the five and I got I, I to gotta crawl all the way over to get to the HOV lane. So I got to cross, like, what, five or six lanes of traffic? Yeah. And so you're trying to inch in, inch in, and before you know it, it's like, you know, you're, you're too close to someone or you whatever. You get that and little warning d- every time, you know, yeah, too close, like, too close, <laughs> 30 inches. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to ease my way over so I'm already dean there before I even get a chance to do it now if you know you get up at you know, 4 o'clock in the morning 5 in the morning where there's not that many people out and you can grandma onto the thing then that's a way to do it but bruh it, you know in in LA it's just uh, it's kind of difficult to do that um, I know Lou, we, I asked Lewis and Mike about their scores and they're, they're pretty good uh, I, I'm afraid to get on mine because mine will probably be like 88 because the, the, the way I drive it's just crazy man um so we have one more question that we get to and then we can we, we got to wrap because some of our producers have some other things to do so ally 384 says question with this recent eap reintroduction upgrading to the extra twelve thousand dollar fsd package only adds on the traffic light and stop sign control and coming soon auto steer on city streets these two functions are still in beta right so if I build a car and add the 12,000 FSD package that only includes beta functions on top of the AP and EAP, do I still need to opt in for beta testing, take the seven-day evaluation test and score a high enough safety score to use them? Or did Tesla get away with that? I assume the latter if they're allowing anyone to purchase for 12,000 only FSD beta features. Hard to keep up. Yes, it is very hard to keep up. Um, despite what you do, you still got to... Uh, drive like a grandmother and you still have to maintain a certain level of safety score. There's not, no official number, but as low as what lo- lo- like 94 you said you mentioned?
1: the The lowest no. I've seen someone claim was a 93. Now that doesn't mean that they're still letting folks in with that low of a score. Right, um, right. So like th- their target was a hundred thousand testers, and I think what happened was they were letting in, and then they were opening it up and opening it up and opening it up. Now that they've gotten close to that number, or they have roughly—I don't know if they hit that number. They may have tightened it up. So I'm personally, I'm at a ninety-one right now. I'm hoping to get up there. Um, I think Mike, you said you're at a ninety-four. I'm, you I've haven't been gotten ninety-four. In yet. I've been at so, a
2: ninety-four. So, so Mike hasn't gotten to in yet in yet.
1: ninety-four, but he might because they kind of do it at set intervals sometimes. So. I would say as long as you can get to like a 95, that's probably a safe level of expecting that you should get in whenever yeah. they let yeah. in more people. If I'll, they I'll,
2: I'll say one thing about driving like a grandma. I, I may have slowed down my turns a little bit and I may have reduced my regen a little bit, but they don't track how many G-forces for straight line acceleration.
0: Right. <laughs> that's the only, that was the only good thing about it. So I had a lot of fun
2: getting on the freeway. Let me tell you, that's the
0: only, Once you turn slow, hey, that's getting- right. Well, I, I
2: told I told I told these guys in the green room that one of the things I did is I turned off the the high end regen, which helped my score. But more importantly, is I had to readjust my driving where, when I make my turn, I tend to accelerate out of my turn and have a lot of fun doing it. And that that ding me hard on aggressive cornering so i've reduced that and and now the computer is much happier with me
0: but i'm not computer. happy
2: but the computer happy so yeah
0: yeah <laughs> all right well gents today was a very wonderful techie interesting day um the whole solar the nuclear thing was very good good for me to 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 hear because i'm very alien to it i'd be the first to admit that so lewis thanks for the the updates on and also mike for your for your um input in it as well being 12 years old and (laughs) writing they're saying, look, I think this is not cool. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool, man. Um, but this wraps up episode 15 for us today. Um, if you guys are watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. We want to hear your <laughs> questions and comments you may have. So please share with them as we did today in the podcast section on Tesla Motors Club or in the YouTube comments, and we will get to them. If I can keep Lewis and Mike just, you know, it, it you know, from getting, the, get to their, their the things. Cause these guys really are, <laughs> are very interesting what they have to say. Um, if you would like to support the podcast, please consider becoming a supporting member on the TMC website. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, there are links to those in the description. So for myself, Mark, the lovely Louis, and the magnificent Mike, and all the guys in the background, Doug and Danny and and Adam and, and Mr. Scraps, we thank you for listening and watching us. We will see you next time. Please stay tuned to the TMC website when our next podcast would be, and we'll see you guys. Jones One, J- my man Jones One. Thank you for showing up, and uh Chris, and all you guys for commenting. We really appreciate it. Seriously, we really appreciate Absolutely. you being being pro- proactive and talking to us because because we want to know what you think. We, we don't know everything. We just have any opinions, but we would love to know what you guys think and, and what you want to say. So, thanks for coming out. Until then, we out.